been to a, thank you, Jewish uh, ceremony or not, wedding ceremony, I was actually able to participate in a ceremony that intermingled some of the symbolism of Jewish wedding ceremonies. Uh, and during the wedding, a glass is broken as part of the symbolism of the ceremony. Uh, and then the rabbi will say something along the lines of the glass falls and shatters to pieces. And then he encourages the bride and groom to guard jealously the sacred relationship into which they have entered since once it is fractured, it can never be restored. Think about that. Because I got to tell you, <laughs> I don't agree with that at all. As a matter of fact, I, I, I've seen marriages that have been fractured and with a lot of love and, and with a lot of work, hard work, they have been restored and, and at times are stronger than they were before they were broken. Now, what I do believe is on the top of your notes, there's a survey that showed 42% of all newlyweds found marriage more difficult than they expected. 42% of all newlyweds found marriage more difficult. Do you agree with this? If you, if you are or have been married, do you agree with that 42%? It's, it's more difficult. Not that it's bad, not that it's wrong, nothing like that, but just it's harder than you kind of think maybe going into it. Uh, I, I agree with this and I have the best wife in the world. <laughs> kind of makes you wonder who the problem is, <laughs> you know? <laughs> If this is your first week here at MCC, my name is Mike and I'm the lead pastor and I am really glad that you're here. We, this morning we are concluding a series that we're called, we've called Baggage and uh, we've been talking about how we are hardwired by God and what we bring with us because of that, because we're hardwired by God, what we bring into our marriage relationships. Because if we don't understand this, why it's in us, it, it's not something, it's, listen, it's, we bring it with us. If we don't understand how we've been wired by God and, and act accordingly, I believe that's part of what makes marriages, some marriages, way more difficult than maybe you anticipated they would be. So Proverbs 24, 3 says, by wisdom, a house is built and through understanding it is established. We've been looking at this every week because our reminder is it's understanding that we want and wisdom that we want. Because when we understand and act accordingly, we can build strong families, we can build strong marriages. But when we don't understand or when we understand but don't act accordingly, we can damage our marriages. We can do damage to our families. So here's the first bit of wisdom and understanding that we need to bring into this conversation because not only, right, uh, uh, we just, we need, uh, oh, it's right here, okay. Did you, <laughs> every week we've had you fill this in. Did anybody already have that filled in? Right before we even started, you already knew because uh, I want to make sure you don't think I want to make sure no one thinks it's the other person who's brought baggage into the relationship. They have. You have as well. We have all brought you've brought it. I brought it. We've all brought baggage. And the first week we took a look at what God has put in the baggage that we have in common because there's some wiring that we share what we have uh, uh, in common. And so we, that was ours, our luggage. But last week we looked at what men bring into the marriage because there's some things that are unique to men that we it's hardwired into us. We bring it with us. Ladies, today we peak into your baggage. Uh, and men, let me remind you of what I reminded our ladies of last week. You cannot overestimate the importance of your role in understanding and acting accordingly 
to what we find out today, right? Because this information can be used to strengthen your marriage and your family. But I will tell you this as well. This information has been used, can be used, quite likely, even with folks in the room this morning, is currently being used as a weapon against your spouse. And it will cause damage to your marriage. It will cause damage to your family. So here's the question that we need. Here's what we need to know. What do we need to be careful with? Here's what women bring with them. You ready? They bring the need to be loved. Is anyone surprised by that? Right. I mean, we, we, listen, it shouldn't be a surprise. What was interesting to me, however, was what Shanti Feldham uh, discovered in her book, uh, For Men Only. She surveyed thousands uh, of women. She wrote, it's no surprise uh, that a woman needs to feel loved. What is a surprise is how easy it is for her not to feel loved. Gentlemen, listen to that. How easy it is for her not to feel loved. As a matter of fact, there's a question that keeps rolling around in her mind, and this is the question right here. The question that she has in her head playing over and over again is, would he choose me all over again? Listen, I don't know if that surprises you or not. Her research showed, and I think this is in your notes, seven out of 10 women said that their relationship with their husband and how their man felt about them was, was anywhere from occasionally to nearly always on their mind. When, for women under 45 years of age, it jumped to 91%. For women who have children middle school or younger, it was almost universal. They thought about it all the time. They were always wondering uh, about this. So men, here's what God says to us, because he knows this is true of our wives. So he says this to us to the apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter five. He says, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. So men, husbands, love your wives just as, read these next words with me, just as, I'm so, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Men only, read these next words with me. Husbands, love your wives just as men. And to make her holy. So the question is, men, how did Jesus love the church? The answer is with his life, all of his life, right? He lived and died for us. He did whatever it took, no matter what the cost. He put aside his own personal gains. He put aside his career potential for the sake of the church. And Paul says that that's how we are supposed to love our wives. So let me say it just a little bit differently than Paul uh, said it. If Jesus were married to your wife, how would how he loves her be different than how you love her? Think about that. If Jesus were married to your wife, how would how he loves her be different than maybe the way you're loving her now? Because we know what our example is and how, what we're supposed to step up to. That's the question. I think it's on your notes. If Jesus were married to, this blank is for your wife, by the way. Uh, if, if Jesus were married to, put your wife's name in there. How would he love her? What would that look like? If Jesus were sitting next to your wife, if he was married to her, sitting next to her here this morning, how would he be sitting there? Take a moment to adjust, gentlemen. Would he have his arm around her? Would they be holding hands? Would they be sharing a scroll, you know? Uh, 
What would Jesus do about lunch this afternoon? At the other end of the building, someone shouted out, take her out to eat. I think it was a female voice. Uh, <laughs> I think that's in the Bible. Um, what, so, this, so after a meal at home this week, what do you think Jesus would do if his, if his wife has prepared the meal, gotten it ready, put it on the table? What would, he, would he let her do the dishes? Would he even let her near the sink? I kind of envision that every time she gets a little close to the sink, this storm would come up right over the sink that only he could calm. You know what I'm talking about? What about the laundry? Would Jesus allow his wife to, you know, find the laundry wherever we've left it and then wash it and then fold it and then put it away? Would he let her do all of that? I kind of see little demon-possessed clothes running around that she just can't catch or a washing machine that's dead until he resurrects it, you know, so he can do the laundry. Proverbs 18 says this, he who finds, uh, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor. She's, she's good. She is this favor from God. Do you think, gentlemen, do you think Jesus knows that verse? Do you, he's Jesus. <laughs> Does it, he knows the verse. Do you think he would tell his wife that? Would he remind her that he believes that? So should you. As a matter of fact, at the end of that blank, uh, in the parentheses, if you would put tell her. Here's what I think happens, men. It's not that we forget that we get to love our wives and we do get to love our wives. It's not that we forget that. I think we just get lazy about it. There's so many things going on. We just, we get lazy. I saw a list of the top 25 ways to love your lover. Uh, and here's some of them. List the top 10 reasons I'm the most fortunate husband in the world and then read it to her. Don't leave it for her to read. Read it to her. Don't just show, but say the words. I love you. Say that to her. Look at your schedule. Make time during your week a priority with your wife. Pray together. Thank God for your wife. On your wife's birthday, send her parents a thank you note, letting them know how much you appreciate their daughter. I got to tell you, I did that before Sandy's parents passed away. It is the best move I ever made. Not because of what I received from Sandy, but because of what it told her parents about what I believed about their daughter. Instead of making a joke at your wife's expense, give her a sincere compliment. Make being in worship your priority. Worship together, sitting together. Make that your priority, not just her priority. Make that your priority. Be a person of integrity. Give your wife no reason to doubt what you say or the commitment you've made to her. Give, give her no room, no wiggle room in that. Listen, why would Jesus do, why would he do the little things that makes his wife feel loved? Do you know why he would do that? Because that tells her how important she is. He has moved her to the top of the list. And we know Jesus would do that because everything he did was because he loved the church from his time alone with God, to the time that he spent blessing the children, to the time he spent calming the storm, to the time he spent uh, touching the untouchables and loving the unlovables and protecting her from the dangers of the religious leaders, everything from the insignificant to the annoying to the dangerous, even to taking her nails in his hands because he would rather die for her than live without her. He loved her more than life itself. Isn't that how Jesus, isn't that how he loved the church? That's how we're to love our wives. 
So here's the next thing. In that parentheses, you not just tell her, but show her. It's more than you need to say the words, but we need to also make sure the actions, our actions back that up. In premarital counseling, I do with couples. We get to this section and I tell everyone what I am about to tell you. I have never had a wife come into my office and sit down in a chair or throw herself on a sofa and go, it is over. I cannot take it anymore. He is too thoughtful. He, 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 he always, he always tells me how much he loves me. And, and then he backs it up with his actions. He brags about me to other people. Listen, I, just, I can't do it anymore. I just can't do that anymore. There's a story, there's a story that I love. It involves a college student who was doing a doctoral thesis as a part of the assignment. He went to live on a reservation with Navajo Indians in the Southwest. And as part of his research, he lived with one family. He slept in their hut. He ate their food. He did their, he basically lived the life of a 20th century Indian. And the old grandmother of the family, she spoke no English uh, at all. Yet a very close friendship formed between this college student and this grandma. And they spent a great deal of time together. And the relationship meant a great deal to each other. Although, quite frankly, no one else understood it because they couldn't even speak each other's language. But over the months... He learned a few phrases of Navajo. She learned a little bit of the English language. And when it was time for him to return to the campus and write his thesis, the tribe held a going away celebration. And it was a celebration, but it was also marked by sadness because they'd grown to love him and they were going to miss him. And when it came time for him to climb up in his old truck and drive back, this old grandma shows up next to his truck and she puts his hand, her hands on either side of his face and looked into his eyes. And she said, I like me best when I'm with you. And gentlemen, I just want to say, if that is true, and you go to bed tonight without saying that to your wife, <laughs> you are not as smart as I think you are. You need to tell your wife that today before your, bet, your head hits the pillow. All right, here's the second piece of baggage that women bring with them. They bring this need to be understood. As a matter of fact, when Peter uh, is writing uh, to the early church, he says, husbands, in the same way, uh, and so those first four words are going to come back to us, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Those first four words, by the way, so this tells us he's pointing backwards to something. And you have to go back a couple of chapters, or you have to go back a chapter to chapter two, where he says, to this you were called, so this all ties into this thought, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that what you should follow in his steps. So in essence, what he's saying is what the, Jesus has left this example. You need to follow it. So whatever he would, he's saying what Paul said, just in different words. However, Jesus would love your wife, right? If he were married to your wife, that's what you should do. And in the NIV, we're reminded, be considerate as you live with your wives. The King James Version says, dwell with them according to knowledge. The New American Standard says, live with them in an understanding way. So men, what God is saying is that marriage is one long education process for us. The success of dwelling with your wife is in direct proportion to your understanding her. So here's what goes in that parentheses. You ready? Continue to learn her. Spend the rest of your life trying to figure your wife out. 
We must not merely drift along, but we have to be, a, we have to be thoughtful. We have to be intentional and attentive and spend time really understanding the, the woman that we are married to and her personality and her gift set, her temperaments, her needs. And I'm not sure that all husbands do that. <laughs> I'm not sure that most husbands do that. Listen, I received a list of the top 10 things that men understand about women. Have you seen this list? So here's top 10, 10 through 2 of the top 10 things men understand about women. Can you go ahead and put that up? This is the top uh, nine. And then, but the number one thing that men understand about women. <laughs> I don't know this for a fact. I'm almost certain this was sent to me by a female, though. Uh, here's... Here's the question, guys, how well, do you know, how well do you know your wife? Someone once said that there are two kinds of people at parties, those who want to stay and be the last one out the door and the other who wants to be the first one out the door, and they're usually married to each other. So the question is, do you know your spouse well enough to know, is that true about you? E.J. Graff said marriage is when you agree to spend the rest of your life sleeping in a room that's too warm besides someone who's sleeping in a room that's too cold, right? I mean, is that you and your, your wife? I love this. Michael Grant said, we continue to adjust to each other, an adjustment that started 19 years ago and will never stop because we continue to grow and change. We will always be different. I think of anniversaries as a time for roses and dinner. She prefers Mexican food and a movie. For Halloween, she thinks apples are a good treat. I say, since when did Halloween have anything to do with nutrition? To which I say, amen, brother. It's all about the sugar. <laughs> Proverbs 20 says, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. Here's the, do you do that with your wife? Knowing your wife includes knowing those things about her that other people don't and will never know about her. Her deep fears and the things that she cares deeply about. Her disappointments, as well as her expectations, her scars and secrets, as well as her thoughts and dreams. I mean, that's, that is knowing your wife. And it calls for this sensitive spirit. It calls for this willingness to, to be involved and to listen and to communicate and to care about what's most important. Listen, guys, if your marriage is eroding, this is one of the most important issues you can give yourself to because your wife not only needs to be understood, she needs to know you want to understand her. One more thing women bring with them, and they bring the need to be honored with them. And Peter tells us this again in verse 7. He gets just a wealth of information. So husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Treat them, treat them with respect. That word treat means to assign and it means to, uh, it means the husband is to assign his wife the place of honor in their relationship. So husbands, what place have you assigned your wife? You have done it already. You've already done it, whether you know it or not. What place have you assigned her? Because we need to make sure we assign her first place. I got to thinking about this. Actually, that should say second place. Only to God. Only to God. Because God will direct how we love her. And if we put him first and her second, we'll always get it right. We will never get it wrong if we put him first and her second. But I'm telling you, we get into trouble when we flip those around 
or we begin to let them slip down the list a little bit. That's when we get in trouble. Celie Thomas uh, said, my husband's uncle thought he had conquered the problem of trying to remember his wife's birthday and their anniversary. He opened an account with a florist, gave the florist the appropriate dates and information and, and an open account. And he said to send flowers with the appropriate note. So every time was her birthday or their anniversary, your loving husband. His wife was thrilled. She couldn't believe the attention and everything went re really well until he came home one day and kissed her uh, on the cheek and offhandedly said, nice flowers, honey. Where'd you get them? I just want to say, <laughs> you can't fake it. <laughs> All right. To honor your wife is to regard her as a person of great value. Uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman has written a book called uh, How to Keep Your Family Together uh, When the World is Falling Apart. And he says, as a counselor and therapist, I have the great privilege and responsibility of observing life behind closed doors. In any given year, I'm invited into many different family circles where people share with me their most precious possessions, their personal lives, their hopes, their fears, their problems, and their pain. As part of my counseling, I ask a lot of questions. One of my favorite approaches is to talk to husbands and wives separately and ask, what is your spouse's priorities? So ladies, please don't answer this out loud. But I want you to think about this just for a moment. What would you say is your husband's number one priority? Don't say it out loud, but what would you say is your husband's number? Just think about that for a moment. What would you say is his number two priority? What's his number three priority? Got it? Guys, don't answer this out loud. What is your number one priority? Don't answer it out loud, but what is your number one priority? What's your number two priority? What's your number three priority? Lehman writes this, when I ask the wife this question, almost invariably, I hear that the number one priority is her, in her husband's life is his, I'm hearing it, job. It's his job. It's his career. Then she might describe his number two priority as the family, right? Not infrequently, though. Sometimes it's his golf game or some other hobby that he has that's number two, and then the family comes in third. And then she'll say, I guess I come in fourth or fifth. Now, men, I know that you value and appreciate your wife. It's quite likely you, you value her and see her. You, I mean, truly, you see her as your most precious possession. Someone that you esteem highly. Is num she, she is someone that you honor. She actually is just below God. She's number two on your list. I mean, she's just, she is so close to the top up there. Here's the question. <laughs> Does she know that? Have you told her that? Do you demonstrate that you honor her, this honor that you claim to have? Do you actually let her see that in action? On your notes, it says this, a good, a good wife is God's smile from heaven. Does your wife know that you believe that? Guys, we, we tend to assume our wives know how much they mean to us, but there's nothing like telling her. And sometimes that's with well-chosen words. And other times... It's with flowers or this gift. It doesn't have to cost anything. Listen, it could be something you, this makes you think of her. And so you, you want her to know that. Or when you're going on a trip before you ever leave, have you, mail the letter back to her the day before you leave. So it actually gets there the day you leave or the day right after you leave. Let her know you thought of her with a meal at one of her favorite spots. Take her away for a weekend. 
to some spot you know she will love and just be crazy about. And it's all about her. Let her be pampered and let her have room service and let her relax around a pool or, or on a hike or whatever it is that she loves to do. Let her know that she is significant and of great worth to you. And on your way home, or after she opens that letter, or after she opens that box, or whatever it is that you have done, I promise you, you will have no difficulty in convincing her that she is significant to you, and you honor her. Or you can do it like the guy who found an old bottle, pulled out the cork, and out popped the genie. True story. Uh, <laughs> and the genie said, thanks for letting me out. I'll grant you three wishes. And he said, for my first wish, I want a billion dollars. Poof, big cloud of smoke. And all of a sudden, there was an ATM card in his hand. And then he said, I want a brand new Nissan GTR. Poof. And man, when the smoke cleared, he was behind the wheel of this high-powered sports car. And he said, third, I want to be irresistible to women. Poof, a big cloud of smoke, and he was a box of chocolates. Listen. <laughs> one of those two ways is bound to work for you. You just need to choose which one. On your notes at the bottom, Martin Luther said, let the wife make her husband glad to come home. Let him make her sorry to see him leave. If we understand what the other brings into the marriage, if we, if we get it, if we do the work of understanding and acting, living accordingly, listen, we can, we can have that. So we asked our men, what's one thing you wish your wife or significant other knew, but you feel like you can't explain it to her or tell her? And we had some guys respond fairly quickly, but their responses were either a joke or a sarcastic comment. And gentlemen, I think we do that probably more than we think we do. It's my default setting. When I'm asked a question like that, I'll come back with something that I, that I think is witty or clever. But if we're going to love our wives well, we need to speak from our hearts to them. And ladies, I just want you to know, they did. Check this out. There's more here than what we'll see, a divine conspiracy.
Gentlemen, your wife needs to hear that from you. She needs to know that you took the time to do that. Because I will tell you this, that doesn't happen on the fly. We don't make that up as we go along. We have to stop and create space. That means you have to push something else out of the way on your calendar to make time for this. And what that says to your wife, by the way, is you are more important to me than whatever that was. I'm going to move that to make time for you because you are that important to me. And I will tell you this. There are, there are husbands who wish they could say those things to their wives, but they've lost them. There are wives who wish they could hear that from their husbands, but they have lost them. And I, and I know I said this the first week. You know, there's some of us here who have never got to experience this in our lives. There are others of us here who had it at one point, but we don't currently, maybe because we've lost our spouse to death or, or you or the other person did something hurtful and hateful and it exploded. Or maybe you're in this relationship and it's just not good. I know this stuff we've been talking about the last three weeks. It can be excruciating to listen to. I appreciate you hanging in there with us. Because it's important for us to be reminded. This is what our dad wants for us. This is what our father has dreamt of for our homes, that our children will be raised in a place where mom and dad see each other this way and treat each other this way. So I want to encourage you, your next step in your relationship with Jesus, gentlemen, today before the day is over, you put your hands on each side of your wife's face. And if she's here this morning, she's going to know exactly what's coming. And so you better make it believable. <laughs> but you tell her, you like you best when you are with her. You tell her that. Tell her you love her. Listen, if you've been married for decades, can I encourage you to put yourself in a position to be an influence in the lives of people who are younger than you? You have been places they've not been. You have gone through things they've not gone through. You've experienced what they've not experienced. They need you. And if you have not been married long, if you're newly married, just a few years, five years, ten years, listen, those who have the kind of marriage that you want, when you look around and you see a couple that is, man, I hope we're like that when we get old like them. You know, when you look around and you see people like that, ask them questions. <laughs> Find out what it is about their marriage that just makes it so special. And I want to tell, listen, our, we have friends who don't know Jesus. And they need to see that he makes a difference in our marriages. It's the mission. It's why we're here. That's why this is so important. It's not just for us. There are people who are dying and are going to go to hell. And they don't know if they can trust Jesus or not. And they're watching our families and going, does he really make a difference in to men about the kind of husband they are? Does he really make a difference in the lives of women, the kind of wives that they are? Does he make a difference at all in their lives? And they're counting on us to be the ones to show them. So thanks for sticking with us on this. I hope it has been helpful. And if it has, I just want to encourage you. Uh, you know what? Next week, bring a friend with you uh, because they might find what we're talking about helpful as well. Next week, by the way, we start a new series called Come Together. And we're going to talk about what it means to be a good neighbor. And so, uh, yeah, you thought it was a continuation of the marriage ceremony or marriage series. Uh, that's awkward. All right. Why don't we stand? <laughs>
Listen, if you're a first-time guest here, we do have a gift for you, uh, and I hope that you will receive that from us, uh, our way of saying thanks, and, and we hope that you will join us again, all right? Why don't we go to God? Father, thank you so much for being in our midst. And, and in saying that, it almost sounds like sometimes you're not, <laughs> and we know that's not true. Because as followers of your son, Jesus, you are always with us. Your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you live inside of us. And so we're, we are grateful for your presence in our lives. And Spirit, we pray that you would guide us as men. May we be exceptionally mindful of the most important relationship you have put in our lives. That we might love our wives well and that they might know that. God, we pray that that our wives will never doubt how important they are to us and that next, they are second only to you. And God, I pray that as men, we will lead our families well. Help us to teach our daughters and our sons just by our example, but in word as well. And God, may we be a light in this world. There's so many families that are not doing well and they need to see hope. May we bring the hope of your kingdom to them. Thanks for letting us be part of your plan. We pray this through your son, Jesus. Amen. All I need is you. Ooh.